This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is surviving financial stress. <laughs> I think that many, many of our listeners have some level of financial <laughs> stress in their life, and we're going to talk about some of the main ones today and, and some coping techniques with that. That sounds wonderful, Mary. Awesome. Well, Amy McFarland is here with us today. She does business development with us at, at Stirk Financial, and I'm guessing she has some job stress. <laughs> yeah, that's a different kind of financial stress. <laughs> there you go. Very true. But uh, that is not one that we're going to talk about today. But the um, the 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 biggest stressor, you know, that I think that's out there for people is dealing with financial emergencies. Yes. And that is because even if you are well prepared for them, and even if you have like put contingency plans in place, it's not just the financial piece of it, it's the emotional toll that it oh, takes Oh, it, it is. Yeah. If, if, if you look at it, even from a smaller standpoint, if you're running late, if you oversleep, how that process you have for getting ready in the morning gets yep. totally thrown off. And it's kind of similar to, It you know. is very similar to that. <laughs> oh, That's I forgot a really to brush my analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the thing that happens then is that feeling stressed about your finances doesn't help the financial situation itself either. It just makes it even worse. And the, the financial emergency piece of it can come in so many different forms, right? Mm -hmm. You could have something like a car breakdown. You could have something like a fire, you know, in your home. You could lose your job. And all of those things are major financial emergencies for people. And, you know, a lot of times people are ill-equipped on how to handle that. And it's just not feeling in control. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you take the lack of control, that powerless feeling, and you add to it the fact that maybe the money's not there to take care of this situation, <laughs> and it becomes a financial emergency yes. with a lot of stress. So we're going to talk about um, some things today that are these common stressors and what you can do to try to help yourself through that. And I, I guess I have a belief um, that... Money does solve a lot of problems. Yes. So uh, obviously it doesn't solve all of them, mm -hmm. but it does solve a lot of yes, them. Yes, it does. If you look around and, and you think about, well, what does somebody need to help them with an emergency? A lot of time the answer Throw is the just money. more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw money at it. <laughs> exactly. So um, the, the very best thing that you can do to prepare ahead of time for a financial emergency is just to have an emergency fund. I mean, then that is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. So I know it's basic. I know you've heard me talk about it before, and I know you'll hear me talk about it again. Yes. But an emergency fund is really important. It is. And, you know, if you apply it to any of these emergencies, it all of a sudden makes you realize that if it's, you know, whatever amount out of a paycheck that is just set aside and it's for that emergency fund, yeah. You, you feel so much more in control when you a really problem do. does happen. You really do. And it gives you the resources Choices. to yes, it gives you the resources to address the problem with some more options, basically some more choices. Cuz here's what happens. When people have an financial emergency come up, they freeze. Mm -hmm. You don't know what yeah. to do. You're, you're emotionally paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And so if you can rely on your own smart pre-planning by having mm -hmm. that emergency money set aside, then it is going to really help you later. 
Yes. So that might mean that you have to dial down your lifestyle for just a little bit while you build your emergency fund. Or it might mean that you just need to take, you know, carve out money that you have and identify it as your emergency fund. But nevertheless, knowing that that is there is going to add comfort to you and provide a lot of relief when that emergency does happen. Yes. All right. The next big financial stressor that we're going to talk about is buying a home. Okay. So I cannot tell you <laughs> how many times I have seen people's energy just go in crazy different directions when they're thinking about buying a home. Because oftentimes buying a home means selling a home, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a lot that goes into that. And all right, so let's talk about the selling a home for a second. Okay. Most of the time, the seller thinks the house is worth more than it is. <laughs> We're all guilty of that. <laughs> and then it causes stress and people don't want to buy it for that amount. <laughs> What's happening? But so that's a stress. And then buying the house is very stressful too. And um, the, the financial aspects of the buying is one of the primary worries, right? Yes. So what happens is that you decide you're going to buy a house. You come up with what your price range is, and then you lose your mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you start looking at houses outside of your price oh. range, and then you buy a house outside of your price range, and then you wonder why you're having financial stress. Because what is one of the things, Mary, you talk about is the emotional factor versus the non-emotional. And that, I think, buying a house is or Hugely selling. emotional. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And, and it's human nature, right? You look yeah. at this beautiful home that you'd love to have and you imagine yourself or your kids and your grandchildren playing in the backyard and the dog <laughs> yapping in the front yard and all these great things of what your life could be like. And then you start to make financial decisions that maybe don't line up with your pocketbook quite as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know you've pointed out in other shows that I don't remember the percentage of people that their home is their largest investment. Right. Yes. And it is very, very true mm -hmm. that most of us spend a lot of money on this, mm -hmm. this large asset. But here's a statistic that's a little bit sobering, is that when people have set budgets for themselves, most people go over their own budget on buying a house. The average statistic is by about $38,000. So if you said you were going to buy a $300,000 home, people are ending up buying homes for $38,000 more than that. So th I, that number is kind of an interesting number. But the truth of it is that most people go over budget when they buy. Mm -hmm. So my advice for you is not to rush it. Right. And not okay. to make an emotional decision. The other thing that happens frequently when it comes to buying a house is like what you said with selling one. Mm -hmm. People will jump into the buy without having that sell locked and loaded. Yes. And then you get into all kinds of issues where there's stress connected to bridge loans. You might have to be making double payments. You don't know how long that's going to last. Then you could have a problem come up at one of the houses that you own that's going to bleed some cash. Yes. And it puts people into a financial pickle that causes a lot of stress. Yes. Now, when you think about buying a home being stressful, it's even more stressful if you're going to build one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> have you Too done many that before, Amy? Well, you know, Mary, my background's interior design, and I would say it made me realize with clients I worked with, uh, either you've got what it takes to build a home or you don't. And uh -huh. I wish there was a little questionnaire because 
I think ultimately <laughs> it comes you're going to lose your mind. You may not. <laughs> not do this or you will end up divorced. Um, is that there's just so many questions that have to be answered from so many different sources when you're building. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's all ends up coming down to money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, really very, very true. Yeah. And, you know, when I, I have built one house and what I realized early on is I didn't know what I didn't know ahead of time. You know, there was I, I thought I knew a lot. But there was things that came out of left field that I had no idea was something I was going to have to make a decision on. And people hit something that is called decision fatigue when you're in a home building process. Mm -hmm. And decision fatigue frequently leads to bad decisions. Yes. So the whole idea of don't rush it is important. But the idea, too, of of being really clear of why you set a budget and why it matters to you to, to stick to it. Um, And so when you're building a house, my advice is for you to figure out what you can afford and then set the budget on the house you're building about 20% less. Yes. Because that will give you that buffer of if you decide, if something happens and you decide to spend up a little bit on something or if you go over budget, you going over budget is taking you up to the actual amount of money you can afford. And, you know, I think it's also people who have build a home will be nodding their head profusely on this. Just remember the budget that was set for you by the builder or the architect or whomever, they have quoted you a price that's for very middle to low range quality. Mm -hmm. And so you're just going to continue to add to that. And that punch list or change order is where contractors make a lot of their money. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say that because when I did build my house, I went to start going picking out carpet. And I remember the person at the carpet place, the very first thing they said to me was, I've, you're not ever going to stay in your budget, so don't even plan to. You're going to yeah. go at least as much over budget. And I remember just being ticked off. I'm like, who are you to tell me I'm not going over budget? And then I'm like, well, you watch me, baby. I am going to stay in this budget, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, what happened? Yeah. I was totally over budget. And he was right, but it's because the budgets, like you said, inside home building budgets are are often skewed to the low end. Yes. So Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. One of the decision fatigue stories that's very funny to me is I was working with a couple and they just got to the point where they just they couldn't make any more decisions they said you go ahead and make the decision so I came to them and I said okay so I said I've picked out your fireplace and they said do we like it (laughs) (laughs) they were totally comfortable with that they were just done that's so funny yeah so that is one of the biggest financial stressors that people encounter in their lifetime whether it's buying or building a home and so like I said sticking to your budget or if you're building actually setting your budget below what you can afford so that the overages take you up to your max that instead of setting that initial budget at the max and your overages taking yes. you over is really solid advice to deal with that and to and cope that with that financial stress the other thing i think we all know is if something that starts out as your dream your dream home or if it's a vehicle or whatever it is that financial stress can get bad enough that it causes you to no longer have any joy for the, project. the product. Yes. Yeah, the project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're absolutely right. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about surviving financial stress, which we all have. So we talked about the stresses that come from emergencies that pop up and then stresses that come from dealing with buying, selling, or building homes. Now we're going to talk about one of the stresses that I think is near and dear to a lot of our listeners' hearts, which is um, the stress connected to planning for and actually 
pulling the trigger for retirement. Mm -hmm. So two of the big stressors that are attached to retirement is figuring out how much to save Mm -hmm. and then knowing when to Mm -hmm. actually retire. Mm -hmm. Both of those are like the big bomb diggity issues that come through from retirement planning sides, right? I can't tell you how many people I talk to when it comes up uh, that they'll, it's like they just keep saving, saving, they're throwing, but they don't ever assess what they've saved, how and how to now take it and figure out the good, the bad, the ugly. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly. Stressful. It is very stressful, and and part of the reason that it's stressful is because most people are afraid they have screwed it up, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and that it's unfixable. Yes. So you don't want to go get a financial plan done or get an analysis done because you're afraid you you're going to find out that you made mistakes and that you can't correct them. Mm-hmm. And let me just be really clear that the truth of it is, you're going to probably be fine. You may have to work a little longer than you wanted to, or maybe you can retire now and mm-hmm. enjoy life more. But the the very bottom line of, of what I can tell you to how, how to survive this financial stress is go find out what your truth is. Yes. So your truth is going to give you options, and then you can decide what you want to do in your life. But un- avoiding the truth or having it spin in your mind of the not knowing, that is what causes the financial it is. stress. And the paralysis that you yes. talk about, too. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I can say for you, you've never laughed or cried when I showed you any of my stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I'm just like, all right, here's where we're at. Let's talk about what to do next. Yep. So um, speaking of what next to do next, speaking of what to do next, that is all about the topic of the book that I wrote, Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. And I just want to thank everybody that came to our advanced book signing event that we had at our office. That was fun. We just had a wonderful time. There were listeners from the show there. We had lots of clients and friends there. And it was just a really, yeah. really neat event. Yeah. Um, if you weren't able to make it and you'd like a copy of the book, you can pre-order them. So from the mm-hmm. bookstores now. So if you want to go out to Barnes Noble or Books a Million or Amazon or something mm-hmm. like that, you can pre-order your copy of Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. And they'll start shipping sometime towards the end of May. Okay. Wow. How exciting. Uh, it is exciting. They'll be in bookstores across America. The print version will be starting June 20th. Congratulations. So kind of a big day out there. Thank you. <laughs> so hopefully that book can help some of our listeners figure out how to ease some of that stress of figuring out how much to save for retirement and also knowing when to actually do the retirement deal. Well, and the fact that you tell it somewhat by stories Mm -hmm. rather than chapters, I think you're able to, I was able to read and say, oh, that's me or, you know, that's, oh, that's my situation. Yep. And everybody, you know, is, I think, a little bit concerned that their situation is unique and maybe Mm -hmm. doesn't have solutions. But the truth is money is just math. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a good financial retirement plan is going to help you figure out how to make the math work for you, not how to, you know, spin around and and not make it work in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about another stressor. And I think that this one is going to hit home for a lot of people. The stressor is deciding how much support to provide your children. Yep. So... I have long said this, and I think that it's very true. It's easier to make financial decisions connected to your kids when you don't have money 
than it is when you do have money. It's so true. Because when you don't have much money, the decision's easy, the answer's no. (laughs) But when you do have money, you actually have to make a conscious choice of whether or not you're going to financially support or help out your child for whatever the reason Mm -hmm. is, or if you're not going to. And the making the decision about that is the stressful part for people. I think you have to pretend like you don't have any money when you're deciding. And we have a saying at our house uh, with our three daughters, which is, is this decision preparing them or is it protecting them? And if you always ask yourself, is this preparing or is it protecting Oftentimes, it gives you a little better strategy. Yeah, I bet so. And it's hard. You know, you love your children. You want them to do well. And and there is a line between encouraging and enabling. Yes. And um, (laughs) you you see it all the time with people. So, you know, I think that teaching our children a strong work ethic is one of the best lessons that we can ever give them. And best by example is not always the case. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And that if, if we don't, if we don't help them learn how to stand on their own two feet, they never will. Mm-hmm. And that carries into their adult years. So what's happening in the United States right now is that kids are not working as much. They're not supporting themselves as much. And now parents are helping them very much longer into their adult years. Mm-hmm. Or they're helping their children pay down debt as an adult. Mm-hmm. That's not the parent's debt to, to take on. That's right. Um, so as much as you might want to help your children, you probably need to close the bank of mom and dad (laughs) a little bit earlier to help them learn how to be responsible and to stay on their own two feet. And also so it doesn't negatively impact your finances going into the future. You mentioned that on a show, I don't know, a while back about, um, if you are helping your kids and it's having financial impact on you, Mm -hmm. um, not a good decision. Don't do and it. that's a really good thing to ask yourself as well. Yeah, it is a really good thing to ask yourself because here's the deal is that you can get a loan to send your kids to college. Mm-hmm. You can get a loan to buy a house. You cannot get a loan to retire on. So you have to get the fundamentals of your own house in order before you can help your kids. Mm -hmm. And most people do that in the reverse order. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, there are cultures in the world where children will then turn around and take care of the parents. So it's a very give and take relationship. That is not the culture here in America, though, where parents anymore plan to go spend their retirement years living with their children. You cannot get a loan to retire. I will be using (laughs) that. I think I'm going to have that framed. (laughs) Very true. So sometimes it comes down to the whole tough love idea. Mm -hmm. And they call it tough love for a reason. It's not just tough on the kids. I actually think it's tougher on the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, But learning how or deciding how much you're going to support your children and then sticking to that is definitely one of the more, uh, the larger financial stressors that's out there. All right. So connected to that, um, the last financial stressor that we're going to talk about is the one about helping your parents as they're aging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we Ugh. we go through this transition in life. We're helping our kids. <laughs> and about the time we get them offloaded, we might have oh, to turn around and yes. help our parents. <laughs> or you could be that Oreo cookie filling where you've got both. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So, you know, the, there is a report out there by um, Caring.com that found that, one, that four out of ten caregivers, so 40% of the people who are caregiving, are spending more than $5,000 a year of their own money helping mm. their parents. Mm. And 18% of the caregivers 
who are caring for a loved one that has Alzheimer's or dementia will spend $20,000 or more of their own money annually. Oh, yikes. So if you're, you know, planning for your own retirement and those numbers end up being a critical part of your own budget, you have to think about that when it comes to, you know, your own planning. But it's a reality for people. That could people. take a huge financial toll. Absolutely. And the stress of deciding whether or not you can afford to do that mm-hmm. is going to have, you know, some effect mm-hmm. on you. And who doesn't want to help take care of their parents, right? right. I mean, You're you paying your it parents. forward. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you really can do some things ahead of time to try to alleviate some of this stress. Okay. So if you can try to have some conversations with your parents ahead of time about what they have set up, what their plans are for their own care, if they are open enough to talking to you about that, those kind of conversations will help everybody down the road. Yes. And the, Ugh, the problem, yes. though, is that a lot of times the aging parents don't want to talk about it. Yes. And the generation of people, I know you're out there listening, who are maybe above age 70, talking about money is not something that you were raised to do, instructed to do, and in fact, probably quite the opposite. Talking Mm -hmm. about money was kind of a taboo subject. Yes. So opening the um, books and sharing with your adult children a little bit about what needs to happen if you start to need care I, it, it is, it's going against the grain of what you were taught, mm-hmm. but it's really a gift that you can give to your family. Yes, it, it really is. Now, that it, doesn't mean you have to tell them the numbers. Right. Yeah, you know what? You don't That's have to tell them how much you have. Right. You just might need to let them know who your trusted advisors are mm-hmm. and and what, you know, your plan is for yourself if you are going to need care. You know, if, and, and that is another reason why it's stressful is because people don't want to talk about their own mm-hmm potential negative health issues. Yes. <laughs> you know, even I remember uh, my dad died more suddenly than we expected. And my brother and I were scrambling through documents in my dad's safe to see if he had any life insurance. My mom didn't even know. Oh, wow. You know, it's a good example. Like, oh, <laughs> yay, we found something. <laughs> so anyway, if, if these are some of the financial stressors that you face in your life, I hope that some of the coping techniques that we talked about today will add some value for you. Or if you know somebody that's going through some level of financial stress connected with one of these things, parents, kids, retirement, houses, mm. emergencies, pretty much we all have to deal with these things, then, you know, give us a call. Let us help guide you through some of those things and help you put a plan in place to maximize the effectiveness of whatever you decide to do. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.